0: We have two readings today for our our message, and they'll be on the screen. Uh, The first one is from Matthew 10, verses 32 and 33. It says, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. And then Acts chapter 2, 36 through 38. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, This is uh, the word of the Lord. Please uh, bow with me as we pray for our service. Father, thank you very much for giving us your word and that just for this message and this special day. Please be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: You You may be seated. Thank you so much. So good to see everyone here and so many guests just honoring um, Josh and Jonah and Victoria as they get baptized and proclaim their faith publicly. God bless you. Um, I know we probably have a lot of new faces here this morning. So welcome, thank you so much for being with us at our church. I also wanted to say happy Memorial Day, um, and this is the Memorial Day weekend, and um, just wanted to say happy Memorial Day. It's a, it's a day that we remember um, those m- men and women that served, uh, serve in our armed forces ultimately giving their life, and just wanted to thank you. Is, is anyone here that, that's actually in the military right now? Can you raise your hand for us? Or used to be, maybe we'll say that, used to be, you're a veteran. Okay, we got some hands going up. All right, how many people... At, um, uh, have a family member or someone close to them, like a, a friend who's in the military. Can you raise your hand for me? How many people don't like raising their hands when, <laughs> when the, someone asks them to? Yeah, so most, most hands went up today. We're, we're just thankful for those people that um, secure our freedom and have secured our freedom. We're able to stand here or sit here today and worship Jesus Christ freely without threat of violence um, just because we live in this great nation, and um, there, are, there are people who fought for those freedoms for us. So just thank you. Hats off to you. Hats off to people as we remember them that may be passed um, in, in, in harm's way, and we just are so grateful uh, for that. So happy Memorial Day. I hope that you enjoyed the weekend and just kind of remembering the freedoms that our good Lord has provided for us in this great nation. Um, so, so good morning um, to you all, um, and I'm just so excited to see uh, so many people to celebrate. What is a great day um, that we get to see uh, three different people Make their faith known publicly to the world that they are followers of Jesus Christ. So I hope that, that we can all just enjoy this together. Um, if you're a child, how many people were kids in the late 80s, or early 90s? You were maybe kids, you know, 10 to 15 years old. Okay, not many hands went up, so we got an older crowd here. But, um, but I was, and you, you, might, you might remember, even if you are older, you might remember the show Full House. Remember that show, Full House? So the, cl- the classic TV show, Full House, Uncle Jesse, Uncle Joey, um, <laughs> Cut It Out, right? Um, you yeah, wonderful little show that we couldn't get enough of. Uh, TGIF, you guys remember TGIF, thank God it's Friday. Um, Full House, step by step, help me out. Um, dinosaurs, not the mama. And um, there was another one, Family Matters. Family, that's right. So we just loved TGIF, it was such a blast. And if you remember in Full House, though, there was one episode called Nerd of the Day, um, and Stephanie Tanner was one of the, the daughters in the family, um, um, made fun of this little boy in school, and she called him Duckface. Remember this episode? She called him Duckface, duck Face Walter. Well, Uncle Jesse did not like this, that Stephanie um, exhibited this kind of behavior. So cruel. So, you know, in a typical Full House, heartwarming, tear-filled, correction-mixed, you know, with quirky hijinks type of way. um, Uncle Jesse corrects Stephanie and she decides to apologize to Duckface. Walter, I mean. Um, Well, of course, Walter presumes that Stephanie is in love with him when she apologizes and decides that she's his girlfriend. Walter had the same problem I did as a boy. Um, And not wishing to hurt his feelings, Stephanie decides to tell him that she can be his secret girlfriend. How many people had secret girlfriends? I had too many of them. Um, (laughs) She will be his secret girlfriend. Anyone knows, if you've ever been in a relationship, though, that that is no private matter. Anyone in a real relationship with anyone doesn't hide it. Unless we're ashamed of it, unless we're embarrassed by it, we don't hide it. It's out in the open for all to see. And anyone who's ever been in love as a young person knows what that's like. It's all you talk about. It's kind of annoying for everyone else around you. But we all know what that's like. We don't hide it. It's our new love. It's no private matter. And unfortunately, I think to transition and to relate this to the Christian life, it seems that oftentimes Christians end up becoming secret Christians, private Christians, secret followers of Jesus. And We hide it for some reason. We're betrothed to Jesus Christ. If we put faith in Jesus Christ, we're betrothed to Jesus Christ. Where the scripture says that we're actually prepared, anyone who's put repentance and faith in Christ, that we're being prepared as a bride to be presented to groom Jesus at the great feast. Yet we disguise it. And we've justified our privacy for some reason. The Bible knows it's okay. We love kids. <laughs> I have kids that cry. Don't worry about it. We, we, we also justify our privacy. The Bible knows no secret Christians. Following Christ is no private matter, and that's the point, friends. It's no private matter, just like having a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a husband or a wife. You might try to hide your husband or wife, but it's no private matter. In today's church, we often refer to coming to faith in Christ as a very personal and individual thing. Have you guys heard this before? So you might hear things like, there's no grandkids in heaven. right? What, what people mean by that is that you, you don't get accepted by God in heaven um, through the faith of your parents or your grandparents. You need to come to Jesus individually and personally. That it's a personal decision, and that's true. Even the way that we invite people into the church service to accept Christ, you know... If, I mean, if you've ever been in a church before and you've heard, like, the altar call, so to speak, and accept Christ for the first time, maybe you don't know Jesus, you might hear things like, you know, every head's bowed and every eye is closed, in the privacy of your own heart, no one's looking, this is between you and God. Have you, have you ever heard something like this before? Well, that's, that's sort of true, but it can, be, it can be a bit misleading. You do, friends, you do need personal and individual faith but um, in Jesus Christ, it's your life, your individual life, that needs rescue. And that is true, and no one else can rescue you. The faith of your mom or your cousin or your grandparents can't do that. But this doesn't mean that our faith in Jesus Christ, when we have it, when we've had it, is a private thing, that it's only about us. Our text reads, whoever acknowledges me before others... I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Now very quickly, in honor of our baptism service, I want, I want to talk about what baptism is. I want to talk about the meaning of baptism as the first way that we acknowledge Christ before others, like Jesus told us to. Baptism is the first way we acknowledge Christ before others. Let me give you this definition. Baptism is where faith goes public. And this isn't mine. This is a definition given by a guy named Bobby Jameson. Baptism is where faith goes public. It is a public profession of faith and repentance which signifies cleansing, forgiveness, union with Jesus, new life in Jesus, the gift of God's Spirit, and the new creation. And that's, this is going to be the heart of my sermon. I want to unpack all of those things. There was about five things there. This is not going to be a long sermon, so five points might seem like a lot, but I'm going to go through them real quick. Okay? So this is basically the heart of baptism. It's where faith goes public. It is a public profession of faith and repentance, signifying cleansing, forgiveness, union with Jesus, new life in Jesus, the gift of God's Spirit, and the new creation. So look, let's look at these one, one at a time. So baptism, first of all, is a public profession of faith and repentance. Now recall our, our text in Acts chapter 2. You might be kind of new to church or to even kind of Christianity. You might not really know what those words mean, faith or repentance. Well, let, let's try to understand this together. I want you to recall our, our, our text in Acts chapter 2. It says, therefore, let Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified... Both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Did you hear that phrase? They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what do we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When asking Peter, so Peter in the context is giving a sermon. And when asking Peter, what shall we do to be saved? It's interesting that Peter doesn't tell them that you need to repeat some sinner's prayer after me. Really mean it in your heart, like we've kind of heard this before. He doesn't talk to them about signing a card or, or standing up or coming down an aisle or any of these things. The New Testament church's altar call, you know, I just described an altar call. You guys might be familiar with this. You know, you'll hear a sermon and you'll hear the preacher say, whoever wants to come to faith in Jesus Christ now, raise their hand. And it's like this public demonstration that someone has come to faith in Jesus. The, the New Testament church's altar call was baptism. It was as simple as that. Peter gives The first, imagine this, this is the Apostle Peter, in case you don't know who this is, one of the followers of Jesus Christ. He is giving the first talk about the risen Jesus in the history of the church. We call it a gospel sermon, an evangelistic sermon. It's about the good news of Jesus Christ. Peter is up to bat for the first time to give a talk about Jesus Christ. Imagine that. And how many millions of talks after him have been preached in the past 2,000 years about the same topic. But here he is, he stands up and for the first time he gives this talk, the first talk about the risen Savior Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 2. He reminds the hearers, the people listening, that they were the ones that had crucified Jesus the Messiah. And friends, this is so important for us to hear and to learn. We are the ones, all of us, because of our sin, are the ones that crucify Jesus the Messiah. You and me. Our sin against God's holy word, his law, which is evident in creation and his word, we have violated, we have sinned against him, and because of this, we have incurred the awful wrath of God on our lives. And this is what Peter is saying to them. He reminds the hearers they were the ones that crucified Jesus. But he has risen from the dead. That there is hope in Christ because he lives. Because he has conquered death and conquered sin. If you put faith in Christ then you too will have conquered death and sin. Isn't that great? Isn't that great news? That's what gospel means. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Because your sin is taken care of when you put repentant faith in Jesus, your sin is taken care of at the cross once and for all. That is great news. So he reminds the hearers of this, and in verse 36 is the conclusion, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified Lord and Messiah. In other words, he is the conquering savior. And after these listeners, they were mocking Peter, by the way, at the start of the sermon. And by the end of it, they're cut to the heart. I can imagine them weeping. Their, heart, their, their eyes have been, their heart's posture has been changed from one of ridicule towards the apostles to one of complete surrender and repentance. So what do, they, what do we do? They cry, what shall we do about this? And Peter answers, Repent. And be baptized. In other words, turn from your sin, trust in the sacrifice, the death and resurrection of Christ, that it was done on your behalf for you, and be be baptized. The call is to believe in Jesus, to trust in Jesus, and to get baptized right now. (laughs) Baptism, we we see it as kind of like a, a religious kind of ritual. Baptism is a stepping out publicly and declaring your faith in Jesus the call is to believe and to be baptized that is so it's a stepping out of the status quo it's saying I'm not part of the crowd anymore I'm not going along with the wave of culture and society I'm going to believe that Jesus Christ is the way the truth and the life and I don't care what people think and that's that's what it means to be baptized. So baptism is a stepping out of the status quo, the crowd, to align yourself with Jesus publicly, to mark and to declare yourself as his child. Now Peter goes on in verse 40, and he says, and this is in Acts chapter 2, Save yourself from this crooked generation. And the same call goes to all of us. Friends, we are part ourselves of a crooked generation because we are all under the condemnation of sin. All of us. So Peter is saying, come out of that. Be saved from it. Be delivered from the power of sin and Satan and in this world. Be rescued and reunited to your loving Father in heaven. Be saved from this crooked generation. Don't follow the crowd. Recognize our participation with the evil system and sinful system of this world. Come out and align yourself with Jesus Christ." And Peter tells them to do this, you know how? By getting dunked in water. (laughs) Repent. In other words, believe in your heart and then demonstrate it with your life. Believe in your heart and then demonstrate it. Put put your faith on public display. Okay? That's what it means. It's a public spectacle, baptism. And friends, so should be your faith. Not, Not an obnoxious spectacle, so please don't take that the wrong way. We're not called to be annoying, right? But, but our faith should be demonstrated and living in real ways to people around us. So back to our definition. Baptism is where our faith goes public. Second, baptism is a sign of forgiveness and cleansing. We, all of us, every one of us, need forgiveness because we have all sinned against God. All of us. Peter says in verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. The normal mode of baptism in the New Testament is immersion by water. You guys have probably maybe been around enough churches to know that some churches do baptism differently. Some people get sprinkled and others, you know, there are different ways. What we see in the New Testament, though, time and time again, all of the examples of baptism we have, they're all getting dunked. They're all literally getting immersed into water. And this water immersion is a sign, it's a symbol of the cleansing that happens when you put trust and faith in Jesus Christ. On our own, without Christ, we are left to deal with our own sin. We are left to stand before a holy God with our own sin and stand, we will not, we will fall in the presence of God. So we need to be washed, we need to be cleaned. And Jesus' death is that washing. The death of Jesus Christ is that cleansing. It's the removal of sin. What we deserved was the wrath of God. And when you put faith and trust in Jesus Christ, instead of you getting that wrath, it gets put on Jesus and we get washed clean. The blood of Jesus Christ is what cleanses us from every iniquity. Isn't that amazing? Romans 5.9, we have been made right with God in spite of our sin because of the blood of Jesus. That's That's what, in the New Testament, there's a book called Romans and it's written by a guy named Paul. And he says, the way you're cleaned... It's not by helping old ladies across the street. It's not by making lots of money. It's not by getting married. It's by the death and resurrection of Christ. That is the payment that we owe to holy God. And baptism symbolizes this. The washing of the water symbolizes the washing of the blood of Christ for us on our behalf. Amen? Third, baptism is a sign of union with Christ. Oh, and I love this one. This is a great one. Upon repentance of sin and faith in the work of Christ in his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead, God sees you as united with Jesus. Now let me explain to you what I mean. This is important. United with his death, united with his burial, and united with his resurrection. Now many verses in the scriptures point to this. In Romans, for example, it says all of us who have been baptized were baptized unto his death. And then again it says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. For as many as you were baptized into Christ, it says in Galatians, have put on Christ. And then in Colossians, having been buried with him in baptism, in which, we were, in, in which you were also raised with him through faith in Colossians chapter 2. This, this means something very important, friends. When a sinner repents and trusts in Christ, this literally means that all Christ did is as if, is, is as if we did it. His work is credited to us. Our sin and old self is crucified. It's dead and buried. You see? All the things that you think are so heinous, the the things that you regret, the things that you're ashamed of, are buried with Jesus Christ. All of them. So the believer in Jesus Christ doesn't need to ever again feel any guilt or shame because it's gone. It's buried with Christ in his burial. You see, you're united with Jesus. Not only are you, uh, not only is the old self dead, but you are given a new self, and that's actually our next point, and let's go on to it. Number four, bapti- baptism is a sign of new life in Christ. That new life, you are, decl- you are looked at as if you had never done anything wrong in your life. You are looked at as if every wrong decision that you made in your life was the right one. God sees you as holy and right and good, perfectly, because of, the, because of Christ. And baptism pictures this. Baptism pictures the, the righteous life that Jesus has lived is put on you. And all of your sin and wretchedness is in the grave. Isn't that fantastic news? Are you getting this, friends? Colossians 2 says, having been buried in baptism, you are also raised up by faith. We just read this. As believers in Christ, if you're a believer in Christ, right now, you have a new nature. You have a new heart. You are a new person. The old is past. The new is come. And if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. You are not the sum total of all your sins and all your limitations. Isn't that great? You are a new person. Why wouldn't you come this morning and trust in Jesus Christ? Why wouldn't you have all of your sin, past, present, and future, put behind you forever, buried in the deepest sea, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Amen. The cleansing and resurrection that baptism symbolizes is the direct and immediate position of all believers in Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. Please understand this. Baptism does not forgive us. The act of baptism does not forgive us of our sin or make us new in Christ. It symbolizes what has already happened by faith at the cross. Does that make sense? And it's just a symbol. Number five, baptism is a sign of the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. God's Spirit for every repentant sinner lives in you. Isn't that great? That's also part of the new life of Christ in our union with Christ, the gift of God's spirit to any repentant believer. Paul tells in the New Testament, we read over and over again, that when you trust in Jesus, that your body has become the house of God. So we're not in the house of God right now. If anything makes this a house of God, it's because there's lots of little houses of God walking around in it. Does that make sense? In the Old Testament, when God showed up, he would look like a cloud or fire. Oftentimes they would, they, they would build this temple or this tent and God would just kind of rest on it and everyone would have to run out, right? That was the presence of God, the glorious presence of God. Well, in the New Testament, the Bible says that you, when you put faith in Jesus, you become the glorious presence of God. You say, oh, I don't feel like that. Well, it doesn't matter if you feel like it because the word of God has said it. And all we need to do is believe it as Christians. Now, friends, you can have the spirit of a lot of things this morning if you're not in Christ. And the Bible calls it a spirit of slavery. And we're in slavery to it. Whether whether we have the, the spirit of wanting to be rich or be in a relationship or be popular or successful... That might be the spirit that's on us, but friends, the Bible calls that a spirit of slavery. And when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you don't need to prove yourself anymore. You don't need to get love by sleeping around. You don't need need to prove that you're worthy by accomplishing great tasks. Jesus Christ has accomplished it for you and declares it to you this moment. And that's an amazing gift. To be immersed in water is a symbol of of God's spirit immersing us, see, enveloping us. Finally, baptism is a sign of the coming new creation. Oh, friends, do you know that the Bible says that the creator of all things, who embodied himself in Jesus Christ, is coming back to take this world are you ready? The new, create, the, the new creation, baptism is a sign that there is something else coming. That something awaits all of us, either after death or immediately in life when Christ literally returns to this earth. The Bible says that he will return with a sharp so- sword proceeding out of his mouth and he will take the earth back from Satan the lion will lie with the lamb, iniquity and evil will be crushed, and Jesus Christ will reign as king and lord over all the universe. You say, this sounds like a little bit of hocus pocus. What are you getting this from? I'm getting it from the Bible. Friends, if there's a God, wouldn't you just, wouldn't it be just kind of safe to assume that that God could communicate with us? Well, the the Word of God is His communication to us. And He says, I promise, write it down, I'm coming back. This world is mine and everything about it that's messed up is getting fixed. And when you put faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you won't be sick anymore, you won't grieve anymore, you will live in eternal glory with with Him in in a resurrected body. Your body, like Christ, will be resurrected from the dead without sin. And this is what the overwhelming testimony and message of Scripture is, that Jesus is going to return to recreate this world, to recreate his people who have had faith in him. We read in Romans, for if we, are, if we have been united with him in death, we shall certainly be united with him in the resurrection. There is a resurrection coming, friend. And the Bible talks about it in two ways, the resurrection of life or the resurrection of death. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, your sins are separated as far as the east is from the west, and you are resurrected to life. But if you remain in your sin, you'll be resurrected to death. Put your faith in Christ. You will be made... Oh, the Bible talks about this in such an amazing way, that you will be made to live in inapproachable light. You will be made to approach inapproachable light. How do you do that? How do you approach something inapproachable? Well, how does a bush catch on fire and not be consumed by that fire? You see, friends, when your your sins are taken care of at the cross, the all-consuming presence of God will not consume you. You'll be made to stand in his presence because of the work of Jesus Christ. And that's the good news of Jesus Christ. You want to live where God's love reigns supreme forever? Come in faith to Christ. Baptism is a sign of all of this. When you get immersed into the water and lifted out of it, it is a symbol. It's a, it's a, a public declaration of what has happened to the person spiritually a public profession of faith and repentance. And when, they, and when we do this, when we get baptized, we are acknowledging that we have been cleansed, that we have been forgiven, that we are united with Jesus Christ, that we have a new life in Christ, that we have been given the gift of God's presence, and that we will be in his kingdom world without end. Amen? And that's the good news, and that's what baptism points to. I hope that all made sense for you. This morning, we have a very special privilege of baptizing three different people. And in so doing, that's what they're going to do. They're going to publicly identify themselves as Christ followers who have identified themselves as sinners needing the salvation that Christ alone can provide. Having been cleansed and forgiven, united with Jesus. What an amazing proclamation to make. Can I ask you before we transition to our baptism ceremony, what might have you been identifying with this morning? This morning we're going to have three brave souls identify with Jesus Christ in baptism. What might have you been identifying with this morning? What are you united to? Do you identify with your career or your morals or your bank account or your marital status? Isn't it crushing? Don't you realize that you're worshiping another God and the moment that you set it down Jesus says my, my yoke is light and my, my burden is easy come to him can you see right now that, that you, have, you and I and all of us have sinned against God that sin has separated us from a holy God and he offers us a rescue why would you say no come out from among them turn from sin trust Jesus be baptized. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my heavenly Father. Can you pray with me? God, we come to you and we thank you so much, Lord, for this group of people. We thank you, Lord, that they're here to hear the word of God preached, and we thank you that we're here that we can all see your gospel symbolized in the act of baptism. We pray, Lord, that if anyone here this morning that does not know Jesus Christ, God, I pray, Lord, that you would cut their hearts like the hearers of our text in Acts chapter 2. And I pray, Lord, that they would right now, this moment, cry out to you in prayer. Turn, God, we turn from our sin. You've been there all along, God. And I've not seen you, and I've worshipped other things, and I've trusted God my life and my worthiness and my approval and applause to affection or to status and I acknowledge Lord that that sin against you has created a a rift in our relationship and I need Jesus Christ to make me whole again take my sin and I trust in the death of Christ on my behalf Oh, God, I pray, Lord, that that was the prayer of repentant people this morning, trusting in Christ for the first time. Oh, and friend, if that's you, would you not hesitate in making that known to me so that we can continue this journey? God, we thank you, Lord, for the rest of us. We pray that we would remember that every day we get the privilege of proclaiming Christ's death until he comes. In his name we pray. Amen.